Welcome to the Journal of Community and Supportive Oncology podcast for the month of March 2016. I'm Dr. David Henry. This month we discuss encapsulated arunotecan as a novel option for hard-to-treat pancreas cancer, how we do it with opioid risk assessment and palliative medicine, financial toxicity and cancer care, impact of trimodality treatment on patient quality of life for superior sulcus tumors, oral anti-cancer therapy, a comprehensive assessment of patient perceptions and challenges, volunteer reporting to assess symptom burden in cancer patients, and two case reports, one in lung cancer and one in APL novel presentations. So let's begin. Encapsulated arunotecan provides novel options for hard-to-treat pancreas cancer by Dr. James Abram in our community translation section. Last year, the US FDA approved a liposomal arunotecan, a topoisomerase inhibitor, in combination with 5-FU and leucovorin for the treatment of patients with metastatic adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. This approval was based on a three-arm randomization of 417 patients whose pancreas cancer had progressed after treatment with gemcitabine. This study showed a two-month survival advantage for patients receiving both liposomal aronotecan and 5-FU leucovorin. Most common side effects from the aronotecan were diarrhea, fatigue, vomiting, nausea, stomatitis, and fever neutropenia. The recommended dose of liposomal aronotecan is 70 milligram per meter square IV over 90 minutes every two weeks, although a dose reduction to 50 milligram per meter square is recommended for patients who have the UGT1A1 star 28 homozygous mosaic. This new formulation of aronotecan may provide may prove useful in pancreas and other cancers if lower side effect and possibly better efficacy profiles can be demonstrated in other trials. Opioid Risk Assessment in Palliative Medicine, a How We Do It article by Dr. Rebecca Dale and colleagues from the University of Washington Medical Center in Seattle. Cancer patients experience pain and opioid medication is an integral part of the treatment of palliation for this cancer-related pain. In this study, the authors addressed the risk in some patients of either misunderstanding or misuse of opioid medication. They provide several concepts and tools to screen patients for medical risk such as oversedation, respiratory depression, constipation, and possibly addiction or aberrant behavior. They suggest the use of simple screening tools. The opioid risk tool, ORT, has five items and is self-performed by the patient and is recommended for those with low risk of opioid misuse. The screener and opioid assessment for patients with pain revised, or the SOAPP-R, is a 14-item tool and is recommended for higher-risk patient populations. The author suggests that a discussion and these tools be a required part of any patient clinic visit with or without family where opioid medication is introduced and required for the long term. Financial Toxicity and Cancer Care, a review by Dr. Jeremy O'Connor and colleagues from the University of Chicago Division of Hematology and Oncology and the Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago. Cancer care is increasingly complicated. This is in part related to the incredible increase in the science and understanding of the cancer cell and targeting its genetic makeup and the ever-increasing cost of developing these novel medications and bringing them to market. Most patients will be financially responsible and profoundly affected by the cost of cancer care, no matter what their insurance coverage is or lack thereof. The authors here review the consequences of financial toxicity, including medication non-adherence, quality of life, distress, or failure of the patient-physician communication relationship to address all of these. A screening tool is recommended. One such tool is the cost-patient reported outcome measure, 
which highlights the close relationship between financial toxicity that is measured by this instrument and the health-related quality of life. Another recommended quantifying tool is the Financial Well-Being Scale, a 10-item survey to evaluate the general population's reaction to their financial situation. There are better and better cancer therapies developed, so as our patients live longer, the long-term costs increase. It is therefore vitally important that we address the financial side effects of our care in studies and FDA approvals, and in patients for the individual and for the healthcare budget in general. Impact of trimodality treatment on patient quality of life and arm function for superior sulcus tumors by Dr. Cornelius Vos and colleagues from the VU University of Medical Center Amsterdam. The authors studied 20 patients from 2010 to 2012 with the 36-item short-form health survey and the disabilities of arm, shoulder, and hand, or DASH, questionnaire. The DASH scores were significantly lower at 3 and 12 months compared with preoperative scores. Likewise, the SF36 domains of physical functioning were significantly worse postoperatively. This study highlights the great advance and improvement in survival and recurrence afforded by trimodality treatment of the superior sulcus lung tumor, but the significant decrement in quality of life that goes along with it is also highlighted. Hopefully this will lead to more studies on ways to improve the patient quality of life outcome following this trimodality treatment. Oral anti-cancer therapy, a comprehensive assessment of patient perceptions and challenges by Dr. Paige May and colleagues from the North Florida, South Georgia Veterans Health System and the College of Pharmacy, University of Florida, Gainesville. 30 patients in a VA outpatient clinic receiving oral anti-cancer therapy were administered a brief survey regarding their cancer and oral cancer therapy. Topics addressed included drug information sources, regimen compliance, management of side effects, and cost. Most of the patients were satisfied with their oral treatment and the reporting ease of their medication use, side effect occurrence, and supportive care management. As oral anti-cancer therapies increasingly enter the clinic, these kinds of resources of patients and pharmacists, as well as oncologists working closely together to address dosing, symptom management, and financial toxicity will be increasingly important. Voluntary reporting to assess symptom burden among cancer patients, common symptoms that are frequently missed by Sami al-Sarafi and colleagues from the Qasr al-Aini School of Medicine in Cairo. 50 cancer patients were evaluated for voluntary reporting of symptoms versus a systematic structured assessment of symptoms. Not surprisingly, the mean number of voluntarily reported symptoms per patient was 1.3 versus the structured symptom assessment mean number of 7.5. Most frequently missed voluntary reporting symptoms were bleeding, constipation, early satiety, hoarseness, taste changes, and weight loss. This simple study points out very well that simply asking the patient to report symptoms versus a structured questioning symptom assessment by a healthcare professional yield very different results and may overlook very important developing symptoms if a structured assessment is not performed. We have two interesting case reports this month, one an uncommon presentation of non-small cell lung cancer with acrometastasis to the great toe and the presentation of acute promyelocytic leukemia as a paraspinal mass. That concludes this month's podcast for the March 2016 issue of the Journal of Community and Sportive Oncology. We welcome your comments and suggestions, so please visit us at our website, oncologypractice.com, where you can review the current issue in detail, along with colorful tables and charts, 
or review articles of interest from previous issues. And thanks for listening.